Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting digital. Now, let's tune in to the message for today. Guys, it is so good to see you. Uh, and let me just say, 27 weeks, 188 days. Welcome home, guys. <laughs> Welcome home. Hey, uh, for everybody that's joining us online and maybe uh, you are not uh, comfortable yet kind of coming home in person or, or maybe you're medically compromised or in a high-risk category and uh, you're staying home right now, we just want you to know, like, and we, we want you to know this from our hearts, that's okay. We are with you and we love you. Lake Point family, let's show everybody that's right, that we miss you, we love you. And uh, man, it's just so good. Uh, to be back in the house um, today. I do just want to do this. Um, you know, it's been really uh, amazing um, just to, over the course of the last six months, six months, guys, six months. Uh, what we've seen just anecdotally and from our numbers online is what we've seen is that our church has actually grown in this season when we've not been able to meet in person. And so uh, more than really, honestly, ever before, I'll be walking around town and I'll see somebody at a Starbucks or at a restaurant. And, and the story for the last six months has been, hey, you're that guy on TV, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and they'll just say, hey, I've never been to a Lake Point service before in person, but now I'm joining in online and I just can't wait to gather with you guys in person when you come back. And so what we know is that all of our, at all of our campuses, we know that we've got people who are actually joining us for the first time ever right now. And there's a lot of you and Lake Point family at all the campuses, can you help me show our guests how honored we are that they're here? That's right, man. Come on, like you've never done it before. Come on, man. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome. I like it. Standing O over here. You're my favorite section. I like you right over here, man. Uh, guys, it's so good to be back. Well, hey, let's do this. I do just want to make one quick push. Um, as you've seen, we've had uh, really almost 500 people take that, commit their lives to Christ and take that step to want to be baptized um, over the last six months. And I just want to go ahead and, and make sure that you know this. Coming up on October 3rd and 4th, we're planning services that day to be an absolutely enormous baptism celebration where we think, we think in one day we're going to baptize 
a few hundred people across all of our uh, Lake Point campuses. It's going to be kind of fun. And so I do just want to like call your attention to that. One, if you made that decision, you're going to be receiving a text message today or tomorrow um, that's going to give you a chance to register for baptism weekend on October 3rd and 4th. So pay attention to that. But if you're a person who, man, you've never been baptized in obedience to Christ's call to do so, all you need to do is just text the word LIFE to 20411, and we'll get you in the queue. We'll have you ready to be baptized on October 3rd and 4th. And let me just say that it's going to be a real special day. And so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, well, hey, guys, here, here's what we got today. We're in the second to last week of a series that we've just, we just been calling Tuning In, How to Hear God's Voice. And uh, man, this series, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, for me, this has been like one of my favorite series that I've ever gotten to preach um, because, and I need you to hear this, because what the Bible teaches is that God is not a concept. God is a person, and he deeply wants to have a personal relationship with you. Like, he wants that with you. And in a personal relationship, it includes personal communication. And a lot of people, they just don't know, like, what does that even look like? Personally communicating with God, God speaking to me. And so during this series, what we've been doing is looking at all the ways that we can tune in to hear God's voice. Now, this week of the series, it's, it's a little different because the rest of the series has been about tuning in to God's voice. This week of the series is about how we, it's possible for us to tune out, how we can be so in tune with something else in this world that God actually, because of his love for us and his relationship with us, he pauses and he goes, man, because of this posture of your heart, I need to pause and not be speaking to you right now. Now, if that doesn't make any sense to you, I just want to give a quick example of this from my own marriage. You know, I, I just need you to know this before I tell these stories. Uh, Jan and I, I, I've got a lot of problems, got a lot of issues, a lot of things to get worked out in my life. Uh, my marriage is just one of those things that God just uniquely blessed me with. You know, Jana's uh, my favorite person in the whole world, sweet little redhead. She's, uh, I'm happiest when I'm around her. We keep our marriage very Pentecostal, lots of tongues and the laying on of hands. Come on, somebody. We, we make sure that, you know, everything's good there, you know. Uh, but there have been three times in our marriage where Jana and I have actually had such a deep division on something that we had to make a conscious decision. Hey, we can't talk about this for a little season. Um, uh, two, two of them were old, one of them's more recent, okay? The first one was uh, when Jana and I first got married and I became the senior pastor of uh, our first church. Jana was my children's minister. And so, you know, it, I wasn't just her husband. I was also like her pastor, and that's not fun, but I was also her boss, okay? And there came a time where Jana was an amazing, she, she was the best kids minister I've ever had. Our kids ministry tripled under Jana's leadership and it was absolutely amazing. But as we added kids, it became really hard for Jana, for the senior pastor and the children's pastor of the church to be in one house. And Jana was working her tail off and it was not really good for our relationship. It wasn't really good for her emotionally. And she couldn't kind of make the decision to step away from that. It was just too hard for her to think about doing that. And so there came a point, and I'm sure that I could have done this differently, but there came a point where I had to fire Jana. I do not recommend this marriage strategy uh, very strongly. And so what began to happen is really for about the next year, Jana was deeply, deeply hurt, but she was also really, really angry. And do you guys know how you handle the temper of a redhead? 
gingerly. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you do it, gingerly, okay? And so we just had to make a decision. I've been waiting to say that all week. I had that planned on like Monday. Janice here, by the way. Uh, and so we had to make this decision for like a year. We just had to go, hey, the more we talk about this, you're not changing, it, neither of us are changing our minds. We're just hardening our hearts. And so we had to go, man, we're so divided on this, we just can't talk about it. The second one was, uh, it was actually about four years ago when Jana wanted to have a third child and I wanted to start traveling four years earlier. And, uh, and Hudson's 15 months old now, so you know how that one turned out. <laughs> the, third one, uh, the third one actually was this year. And it's probably the most deep, emotional, painful, most divisive thing we've ever had in our marriage. It was over whether or not you can put eggshells into the garbage disposal in the sink. Okay, now I just need you to do this right now. We're going to settle a Howerton family debate right now at Lake Point Church. This is going to happen right now, okay? Will you please raise your hand if you're a put the eggshells in the garbage disposal person? Everybody look around. Everybody look around. All the campuses, look around. Oh, man. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm taking a minute. Are you looking around, Jana? All right, good. All right, now. All of our campuses, will you raise your hand if you think it's a bad idea to put eggshells in the garbage disposal? Stop. You stop. Stop it. All of you stop. Okay. Wait. Keep them raised. Keep them raised. Liars. <laughs> Liars. Okay. But in all three of those circumstances, I want you to think about this. We were so deeply divided on something that the more we talked, the farther apart we got in our hearts. And so in order to preserve the relationship, we had to make a decision, hey, we can't talk for a little while about this thing. Now, what I need you to know is that it's possible for that to happen in your relationship with God, that you can have a posture of your heart that's so settled in its distance from God that God goes, hey, like I can't, because every time I talk to you, you don't change your mind, you harden your heart. I actually need to back off from speaking to you about this right now. This is why the missionary martyr Jim Elliott once said this. Jim Elliott said, before we can ever hear his voice, we must heed that verse to offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God, which takes us into our passage for the day. If you got your Bible, head to Romans 12. We're going to be in Romans 12, 1 and 2. So let's read it and let's dig right in. What it says is, therefore, I urge you, brothers, I urge you. In other words, Paul is saying, I beg you. I am begging you to understand this. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I just want to say this. I don't have time to preach this entire message. There could be an entire message on in view of God's mercy. I simply want to point this out. The logic of this passage is that our response is in, uh, how we respond to God is directly proportionate to how he responded to us. And what he did is he came in mercy and he stretched out arms and legs to be nailed to a cross. And he willingly gave up himself as a living sacrifice put to death so that all of our sins could be paid for. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus came and he paid that price for you so that now we're standing in his mercy. And I just need you to know, man, where I know without a shadow of a doubt for me, I know I'm, I am where I am by the mercy of God. If God had dealt with me according to my sins, I would not be where I am. 
If God had dealt with me according to my competence, I would not be where I am. You know, in fact, my entire time at Lake Point Church, it's really been this exercise in me understanding I am standing in someone else's sacrifice. And what you have to understand is that you, every Christian everywhere, you are standing in someone else's sacrifice. You have limitless mercy, a new identity, a new future, a new calling, a new status with the living God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So, in view of God's mercy, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And then it says, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now it gives a do not. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Think about that language. But be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, because then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, what I wanna talk to you about for a few minutes is what it means to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Bible says that everything that happened in the Old Testament was a type and a shadow of what was to come. So what Israel was in the Old Testament, we are now as Christians in the new covenant of God. Everything that happened to them was a type and a shadow of what was going to happen to us. And so we know this. I want to give you an example of importance of mind renewal, okay? We know Israel, Old Testament, equals us, New Testament. And think about the parallels. They were slaves in Egypt. We are slaves to sin. God sent them a deliverer, Moses. He sent us a deliverer, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb being smeared on the doorposts of their houses. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb of God smeared on our hearts in faith. And then they came out of Egypt and they went to the promised land. For us, the entire Christian life is understanding and appropriating the promises of God. So do you see that? That Israel Old Testament equals Christians New Testament. You got to see that, okay? Now, as soon as they came out of Egypt, they traveled through the wilderness to the promised land. And it, what it should have been is it was an 11-day journey from where they came out to where they entered the promised land. It was an 11-day journey. But it took them 40 years to enter that promised land. Now, we hear that and we go, 40 years for an 11-day journey, and we go, dum 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 you idiots, how in the world could it take you 40 years to travel for an 11-day journey? But what we need to wake up and realize is that many of us have wandered around the same mountains over and over and over and over again in our life, year after year after year after year. And here's my word to you. It's time to enter the promises of God. It's time for you to do that. And what they thought, listen, what they thought, it, here, here's a question. So why did it take them so long to enter in the promised land? And here's what, here's what you might think. You might think, well, it was because of their enemies. It was because of, you know, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and you know, the Amalekites, all that stuff. You, you might think, well, it was because of their enemies. And, and by the way, what you need to understand is that everybody everywhere, we've got our own brand of ites. Some of you guys got the bad husbandites, the grouchy bossites, you've got the bad neighborites, you've got the rebellious teenagerites. Everybody's got their own brand of ites. But what it, when you look at the Bible, what we understand is that the reason they couldn't enter the promised land, it wasn't because of their enemies, because God was on their side. And guys, if God is on our side, who can be against us if God be for us? It, it had nothing to do with their enemies. Here's why they didn't enter the promised land. It was because of their thinking. They didn't know how to think the way God wanted them to think. And what you have to understand is it is absolutely possible for you to think your way out of slavery and into freedom by the word of God. 
It is absolutely possible. It's impossible to have freedom and think bondage. That's impossible. It is impossible to have victory and think defeat. It is impossible to have happiness and think depression. It is impossible for you to have, it is impossible for you to experience justification and constantly think condemnation. You can absolutely think your way out of slavery and into freedom. Now, what that's called is called the renewing of your mind. Now, I want to give you an analogy to help you understand this in real life. A year ago, I shared a story with you uh, about a boy named Samuel. And I want to share this story, but I want to share it from a different angle. Um, years ago, when I first became a senior pastor, uh, you know, we were absolutely—actually, I was a youth pastor. We were absolutely broke. Uh, guys, we, we, we were so broke, we couldn't pay attention. I mean, it was, that's, we, and so Jana, she's got a degree in speech-language pathology— and Jana started teaching children speech-language pathology out of her house. We eventually had a student named Samuel. I'm going to call him Samuel. And we started noticing that Samuel had some very, very weird habits. Um, Samuel, if, uh, if an adult looked at Samuel, he would almost flinch and not let you make any eye contact. If you tried to touch Samuel, he would recoil in horror. I mean, there was something very, very clearly wrong. Uh, if you gave Samuel a snack, like we had a youth event and there was pizza, uh, Samuel would take it and shove it into his backpack and store some for later. And then he had this real strange habit where if he really liked somebody, he would take their hand and he would lick the person to show them affection. And for the longest time, we were like, man, what in the world? What is wrong with Samuel? Well, we eventually found out that Samuel was a foster child that had been placed with some wicked, abusive foster parents who had both gone out and gotten full-time jobs during the day. All they wanted was a government check and both got full-time jobs during the day. And so every day for eight hours a day, they were storing little Samuel in a dog crate with their dogs. Now, eventually... You, you see what happened. Samuel learned, never let an adult look at you because they'd only want to look at you to harm you. Uh, he learned, hey, never let an adult touch you. The only reason they touch you is to hurt you. Uh, man, if you want to eat, Samuel learned, you better eat faster, you better store it away because you know, there's, there's things around that will take the food. And you can figure out where he learned to lick people to show affection. Now, eventually, uh, something amazing happened. <laughs> there was this godly, Jesus-loving family at our church that they ended up adopting Samuel. And I want you to think about this. See what happened is that in one moment when they adopted Samuel, he got a new father, a new family, a new inheritance, a new name, a new identity, and a new future. He got all those things. But after Samuel was adopted into that new family, his old habits did not go away. Uh, Samuel continued to, for about the next two years, he continued to lick people to show affection, wouldn't look anybody in the eye. He'd store pizza in his backpack if he got pizza at a youth event, and he'd never let anybody touch him. For about two years, he continued to do those things. Now, let me ask you this question. I want to think about this for a second. Let me ask you this question. Why did all of those habits continue even though Samuel, the moment he was adopted, he got a new father, a new family, a new name, a new identity, a new inheritance, and a new future. Do you know why? Because all those things were new, but he still had his old mind. Those two years of him getting in the new family and learning that, hey, I've now got a father that loves me. 
You know, I've now got resources to take care of me. People are not going to abuse me. That took about two years for him to actually internalize. And guess what those two years were? That was the process of Samuel renewing his mind. Now, here's what you have to understand about you. Let me bring this down to you. The Bible says the second you became a Christian, do you know what happened to you? You were, according to the Bible, you were adopted into the family of the living God. In that moment, you got a new father, a new family, a new name, a new identity, a new future. You got a new inheritance. All that happened the second you became a Christian. But do you know why you go back to your old habits? And do you know why you're not experiencing the newness of those things in your life, the life, freedom, and joy of the Christian life? Do you know why? Because you've still got an old mind. Now, here's the question. Why is that? <laughs> like, why don't we seem to be able to get rid of our old mind? And I, I want you to see this in the passage. What it says in the passage is it says, do not, it, it gives the reason. It gives the reason that we stay in these old mindsets. It says, do not be conformed. If you got your Bible, circle that word. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And you just need to know this. This world has a pattern. What's a pattern? A pattern is something that repeats itself over and over. A discernible chain of events that repeats itself. Guys, look out at this world. This world has a pattern. Here's the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is anxiety, addiction, depression, divorce, debt, treating people like pawns in your self-gratification game, only thinking you're valuable if you're rich, pretty, or powerful. This world has a pattern. And the Bible says, don't. Man, if, if you are a follower of Christ, if you belong to God, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't conform. Now, here's what I struggled with when I was thinking about this passage. What does it mean, like practically, how are we conformed to the pattern of this world? And I thought about this and thought about this leading up to this message, and I couldn't figure it out until it was actually this COVID season that helped me realize, oh, that's how we're conformed to the pattern of this world. Here's what happened. One day I was, uh, you know, uh, let me just kind of tip you off to something. Uh, this year has not gone like I thought my first year as senior pastor of Lake Point would go. Let me just kind of get that out there. Okay. And so, you know, as soon as, I don't know if you guys realize this, but the whole lockdown thing, that happened four weeks after I became the senior pastor of Lake One. Four, four weeks, okay? So I've got all of this stuff going on, and I, you know, I'm right brand new into this role. Back in, man, February seems light years away. Everything was going so awesome with the church. It was great. I was really excited. And then this happened. And during those first, like, two months of shelter in place, all that stuff, I was just honestly like really afraid. Like, man, is the church gonna fall apart? Like, is everything gonna come apart at the seams? How are things going? Are people still attending? Are they giving? Are they watching? Are they attending life groups? Are they, how, how's stuff going? How is all of this going? I just had this fear. And one day, it, I was asking the question like, man, why am I so fearful? Everybody was kind of joining in. All the metrics look good. I could tell just, man, really the church was responding in the amazing way. That was right when you guys were giving the nearly 2 million meals to people. And so everything was going awesome. I was like, man, why am I so scared? Why am I so afraid? And then it dawned on me. I was sitting there watching a news station with a rolling death ticker of coronavirus deaths worldwide. 
like sitting there watching this. Just at the bottom, it was like a, it was like the little stock market tracker just rolling faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, just watching worldwide. So here's what I got. I'm watching a rolling worldwide death ticker in one corner. I'm watching plummeting stock market you know, values in the left corner. And I'm like, huh, I just can't figure out why I'm so afraid right now. None of this makes sense. Where in the world could this anxiety have possibly come from? And then I'm, you know, here's here's me. You know, we're locked in place. So I'm trying to keep up what everybody's doing. So I'm like getting on Twitter immediately afterwards. I'm scrolling. And obviously Twitter is just the most rational, you know, seasoned, mature, political and civil discourse, you know. So I'm getting on there. Who am I supposed to be angry at today? You know, that kind of thing. Just scroll scroll, 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 scroll. Hmm, why am I so afraid? And then it was almost like God tapped me on the shoulder and he showed me this in this verse in the middle of this. And it was almost like, here's what he said. It was almost like he said, Josh, what you consume the most is what you conform to. Josh, that's how it's always going to work. What you consume most is what you conform to. If you spend all day watching a rolling death ticker in the bottom right part of a screen and a plummeting stock market ticker in the bottom left part of the screen, and then you get on Twitter, and then you see all the outrage, and then you turn on your favorite, you know, 24-hour news cycle, and you're just saying, who am I supposed to be angry at today? What's the next thing that's going to blow up the entire world? Josh, here's how it's going to work. You, here's how it's going to work. You know how it's going to work? What you consume most is what you're always going to conform to. That's just the pattern God has set in this world. Think about this. So for me, I realized, here's what was going on. At that time, I was consuming between TV, social media, podcasts, I was consuming about 20 hours of media every week and spending maybe about two hours in my Bible. Now, can I just be really straightforward with you? If you do two activities— and you do one for 20 hours and one for two hours, guess what's going to happen? The 20-hour activity is going to have more influence on your life than the two-hour activity. Guys, that's not super spiritual. That's math. That's all that is. That's math. So let me just say this in a very straightforward way. You can't be a generation that consumes pornography and then be conformed to purity. You can't be a generation that consumes lies and be conformed to truth. You can't be a generation that consumes violence and be conformed to peace. And when I say violence, I'm talking verbal violence, visual violence. Guys, what this means is that we've got to be people who, just like the Bible says, we've got to make a covenant with our eyes that I will set before them no vile thing. We've got to become people who we actually care about the things that we watch. We don't, listen, why would we want to be entertained by the things that God hates? What movies are we watching? What podcasts are we taking in? What kind of discourse are we filling our minds with? And listen, I know this, man. I know some of you guys are going to hear that. And right now what you're going is you're going, man, Josh, like, man, you're sounding like my my grandfather's old Baptist preacher. I thought you were like this young, progressive preacher. Man, listen, I am. I want to see you progress into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to see. And what you have to understand, listen. That's how it's always going to work. What you consume most is what you conform to. Now, I just want to address something right now for our church, whether you're joining in with us online or you're joining in with us in person at one of our campuses. What this means is that, guys, what some of you need to do is you need to delete that app. You need to stop watching that show. 
You need to vastly, vastly diminish the amount of news that you take in. Take it in strategically. Yes, be informed. We want to be salt and light in this world. Absolutely. But we need to be strategic about our souls as well. And we need to maybe get on that Bible reading app. Maybe we need to get on a Bible reading plan. Maybe you need to memorize a verse. Maybe you need to fill your mind with things that are from heaven instead of things that are from this world. Now, let me just address something on that note. There's kind of an elephant in the room, and I just want to address this for our church. A lot of people have been asking me the question leading up to our coming home services. Why are you so passionate about Lake Point Church gathering in person? And I just want to be really honest with you and answer that question. Here's my response to that question. I'm not sure everybody's going to like it. I'm just going to speak in a really straightforward way. Here's why. Because right now, we're not just fighting one pandemic. We're fighting three pandemics right now. Okay, now listen. There's the virus pandemic. And listen, nothing you're ever going to hear me say is to minimize that. The virus is real. And it's really affecting people. So it is. Like, you're not going to hear me minimize that. But pandemic number one, we're fighting the virus pandemic. Number two, we're, we're facing an economic pandemic. But watch this. And there's a third pandemic that nobody's talking about. We're also facing a mental health pandemic that's unlike anything our nation has ever seen. Man, in preparation for this message, like I, I started doing a little research. And here's what people are seeing right now when it comes to the mental health pandemic in our country right now. Over the course of the last five months, calls to the National Mental Health Hotline have increased by 1,000%. There's a a foundation called the Kaiser Foundation that studies mental health in America. In an average normal year, one out of every five people in America has like a mental health crisis. That's like suicidal ideation, severe depression or anxiety, one out of every five. In the last five months, it's one out of every two. The CDC released a study in the last few weeks that said one in, so CDC, like I'm not talking like CNN or Fox, like the CDC, okay, that said one in four young adults considered suicide during COVID. Some of those rates, the suicide rates in some states are up over 160% in the last five months. This last one, like when I read it, you're going to be like, oh, that's great news. It's actually terrible news. In the last five months, calls to CPS, Child Protective Services, have dropped by 90%. Now, you may hear that and go, oh, that's awesome. Child Protective Services, those are the people who people report child abuse to, so reduced calls is great. No, 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 it's awful. Because here's what's happening. The same number of children or more are being abused, but all the mandatory reporters, the school teachers, the guidance counselors, the Sunday school teachers, the churches who can actually see the effects of the abuse and report it, the watchers aren't watching right now. So those children are just at home staying in those situations. So listen, we have all that going on. And guys, listen, you ask why I'm passionate about Lake Point regathering again, because listen, We are the church of Jesus Christ, and we're the hope of the world. And we are called as a church to step in. Jesus said that you are the light of the world. He said that to us. We are called to step into that gap and be the light in a dark place. We're the hope of the world. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the world. Guys, we are the pillar and buttress of the truth. And it's our job to step into that gap and help people with the renewal of their minds. Because nobody else in this world is filling people's minds with what is true, lovely, holy, pure. Nobody else is doing that. The church of Jesus Christ can do that. So listen, if you ask why I'm passionate about us regathering, that's why. 
because we've got to have our minds renewed and we can't conform to the pattern of this world. Now, what this passage says is that if we have our minds renewed and if we don't conform to this world's patterns, that we're going to become something that this, this verse, it calls a living sacrifice. Living, two words, sacrifice. Now, both of those words are really important. Let me, let me do them. So living sacrifice. Here's why that's really important that the sacrifice is living. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up like 90s uh, church kid, you know, church youth group kid. And so here's what I would do is uh, every summer, you know, like leading up to summer camp, I'd be thinking of all the terrible things I was doing. And I'd just go, man, if I can just get to camp. That's all I need. I just need to get to camp. If I can just get to camp, well, I'll get there and I'll have this experience with God. And man, I, you know, God will clear out some of that stuff in my life. And by the way, I love camp. I was a camp counselor in college, camp pastor later, and you know, did, did all that stuff. So I absolutely love camp. But that's what I would think, if I can just get to camp. Well, then here's what happened. I get to camp and be there with all my friends, Bible study all day, and they get to worship at night. And you know, you got camp night one, camp night two, camp night three. And what happened, every camp pastor, I've been a camp pastor, so you usually know this. Every camp pastor, they save their best message for night four of camp. And so I get to night four of camp, and we'd be there, and the camp pastor would preach his best, most emotional message. I'd be hanging out with all my friends, arms on their shoulders, friends are friends forever. Anybody else? You remember that? That's right. Be doing that thing. We'd be doing all that stuff. And then, you know, it's like this combination of a whole lot of sugar and very little sleep on the fourth night of camp. And I just need you to know this. Like, with that much sugar and that little sleep, you could have gotten me to rededicate my life to the Easter Bunny. Like I, anything that you'd have said, I would have done that. And so that would happen. We'd have this big emotional high. And, you know, I did all those things, man. Like I, I lit a stick on fire that represented my life and I threw it into the flames, you know, uh, you know sacrifice to the living God, that kind of thing. I, you know, I wrote all my sins on a piece of paper and I nailed it to the cross, you know, 10 different times, that kind of thing. And then uh, we, we took all of our, you know, we took all of our Run DMC and Eminem CDs. You know what I'm, you know, I hear you. You know, I hear you in the room. And then we, you know, we threw those into the fire and, you know, we were trading those in for Petra and Carmen and Point of Grace and, you know, we did all that stuff, you know. And, you know, at that last night of camp, we would make this, you know, I would make this resolution before God. God, I'll never, 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 never go there, do that, touch that, watch that. I'll never do it again. And my very passionate resolve would last for literally days, days on end. And then the girl was hot and that looked good and the you know, movie looked really good and I'd really like to see that and I'd go right back to doing some of the same old things. And do you know why? Because the problem with a living sacrifice is that it can crawl off the altar. And what this passage is saying is it's saying, I want you to be a living sacrifice. What that means is that day after day, we're going to have to get up and we're going to have to say, God, I'm yours today. Like a fresh, I'm coming back to you. Everything I am, everything I have, everything belongs to you. And that's going to have to happen every single day. There's a reason that Jesus said, if anybody would follow me, let him deny himself. Let him get rid of his own way. Take up his cross daily and follow me. I, I love how the message says it. The message says this. It paraphrases Psalm 5-3, every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and I watch for the fire to descend. Living sacrifices. We have to come back over and over again, but watch this, number two, we're sacrifices. Now, we don't do sacrifices in our culture, so what you have to understand is that a sacrifice is two things. It is extreme and it is total. A sacrifice dies. 
there is no way to offer a partial sacrifice. Now, we don't do sacrifices in our culture, and so I want to read this to you in a way where I modernize it. What this passage is saying in modern language, I think it would say this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your lives as blank checks to the living God. Um, well, there's probably 30% of you that are like, what's a check? I don't know what that is. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Um, when I give gifts to people, I like to give gift cards. That's like my favorite kind of gift. And what I like about a gift card is two things. One, I control how much of my resources you get to spend. And two, I get to control where you spend them. <laughs> I like that. I really like controlling the amount of contribution that I'm giving you, and I like directing where it's gonna go. But this passage says, I, I don't want that. You're gonna be a sacrifice. So here's what this is like. Let me, let me see that blank check. Let me see this. What this passage is saying is it's saying this. It's saying, man, I need you to come to God and for your life to be like this. For you to say to God, this whole thing is yours. I'm offering my life to you, blank check. Now here's the thing about a blank check. One, you would only give a blank check to someone that you trusted completely. Because if you give somebody a blank check, they can do whatever they want with it. This passage is saying that we've got to have a posture where we say to God, this is yours. This is yours. You'll even see it right here, right down here. Memo, my life, Romans 12, one and two. In view of your mercy, everything I have and everything I am is yours. And what that means is you say to God, whatever you write on that line is yours. You get to decide. God, if you call me to Denmark or Dallas, I'm yours. God, whatever you want me to do. And what you need to understand is if you come back to God today as a living sacrifice and you say, God, my life's a blank check, you get to say where, you get to say how much, that he may write something on that line that requires sacrifice. Now, here's what's gonna happen is for some of you, the sacrifice that God's requiring, like what he's gonna ask you to do, he's gonna ask you to do something very simple. It's like, man, you've never followed Jesus in baptism. And what you need to know is if you won't follow Jesus into water, I promise you won't follow him to a cross. I promise that. For some of you, it's like, man, you just need to take that step for the first time in your entire life. Maybe for the first time in your whole life, I'm putting that down. For the first time in your whole life, you started joining in with Lake Point Church Online, and this is your first week ever in a church, like ever. And the sacrifice God is gonna write on that line for you is I just want you to take the next step to actually become a part of a church, our church family. And so you just need to take that step to get assimilated into the church, the family of the living God. Uh, for some of you, it's not either of those things. It's not next steps, it's not baptism. You know, for some of you, it's like, man, you just need to get into a group where you're walking with people who are also walking to Jesus. But here's what you gotta know. When you offer that to God, he will require something of you on that line. And for some of you, the reason that you haven't heard from God in your heart in a long time is because God knows that he's got something for, me, for you that you were not willing to give. And if he talked to you, you wouldn't change your mind, you'd harden your heart. And for some of you, here's your story. So there was a time in your life where you belonged to God, living sacrifice, you were his. And then somewhere along the way, pieces of your life came off the altar. 
And today's the day. Today's the day. You're coming home. (laughs) Today's the day where maybe for the first time in decades you say, God, everything I am and everything I have, it belongs to you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. God, I'm yours. Some of you may hear that and you may may go, man, Josh, that just doesn't make sense at all. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Jesus, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Eye for an eye, tooth for the tooth. Jesus gave his, we owe ours. That makes a ton of sense. And so some of you, if you pause and you actually think, about everything that God has done for you and what he saved you from, it makes a lot of sense to say, God, everything I am and everything I have, it belongs to you. So here's what I want you to do. At all of our campuses, will you stand with me right now? Go ahead and stand. And I just want you to just do this thing. It's a prayer posture. Just hold your hands out in front of you like this. Just hold your hands out in front of you and close your eyes. And would you just pray this prayer? Would you just pray? God, I'm all in. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his word. He died for my sin. And I want to live my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, will you put your hands together and say amen with me right now. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our Church Online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital.